afternoon and uh, welcome to another episode of A Couple With Mental Health. I hope you've all got your brews, your coffees, your teas. It is the middle of summer and it is absolutely boiling. So again, if you've got a cold drink, I'm not judging. We'll drink it just the same. So today I have another guest and I'll let her introduce herself. Hey Len, it's so nice to be here. <laughs> we were just having a chuckle earlier about me trying to pronounce... Kappa. I can't do it. You can. Go on. Kappa mental health. <laughs> <laughs> it has to come across as a British accent. Oh, it's so good to be here. So um, what do I do? I, um, I'm a coach and uh, I help people you know, build a life that they really want. And a lot of it comes down to having awareness, not only about themselves, but also the situation they're in. And uh, once we figure that out, uh, what we do is um, we try to figure out how to replace some of those uh, negative patterns or, you know, there's certain certain habits that people want to replace, like procrastination or, you know, um, self-doubt and uh, replace that with positive ones. And then we dig a little bit deeper into the fear and everything because so sometimes what ends up happening is that when they're kind of growing into into who they they want they've always wanted to be um, there's like a fear associated with it so a lot of my work is also digging through that fear as well so that's what I do now why I do it is probably the more important part I think uh, why I do it because I struggle with it myself I um I went through a lot of my life. Uh, very lost, very lost. Um, everyone gave me the blueprint in how to be successful. And that's yeah. like, you go to school, you graduate, you get a job, you become an executive, you find a, you find a husband, you have a kid, um, you buy a house and that's it. That's the, and then you wait for yourself to die after that, which is, which is fine if that's, that's the life yeah. you want, but that wasn't the life I wanted. And, uh, I just found myself really I was never, I was never diagnosed with depression. So that's mm. something I, I never got a diagnosis, yeah. but, but studying it and, and really researching it, I think I did go through a bout of depression for a few years that I felt like, what the hell's the point in all this shit? What if it just ended? Yeah. What if I just got hit by a bus and wouldn't that be great if I just died right now because I don't have to deal with this stuff. And it's so fucked up because my life was pretty good on the surface. Yeah. And, uh, and I just went through, and then I realized like, you know what, this is something that I don't want to go through anymore. Uh, it's, it hurts really bad. I don't want to hurt the people around me. I, there was a lot of guilt associated yeah. with it. So I started digging through personal development. I started doing different seminars, workshops and all of that. But I also found it very confusing because there's so many conflicting ideas and schools of thought, even in the personal development world. Yeah. There is, um, um, sorry, not to interrupt, but when it comes to the idea of um, personal development, there is, and if you mention life coach or coach to somebody, there is a sort of a stigma around it, but it is, it is generally to help people. I mean, I, I can vouch for that myself, but how have you felt coming across with that? Um, with me being called a life coach or, mm -hmm. is that what you mean? Yeah. Um, and going for the whole de uh, personal development yourself. Myself? Well, okay, let's even go back a little bit further. So I did study psychology in university. Mm. And more specifically, I was interested in cognitive neuroscience. Mm. And uh, one of the things I had to study 
was um, positive psychology. Yeah. And I was so against it. I was so against it when I was like, I'm talking like decade, a decade or so ago. I was so against it because I'm like, what kind of weird shit is this? I don't understand. You can't even measure this. You can't measure happiness. And it's because I was so unhappy with myself Mm. that I really had a hard time grasping positive psychology. Like one of the people that uh, I studied was um, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And it's all about flow and which I'm all about now. Yeah. But then mindful being in the moment. But back then I'm like, I just like completely dismissed everything. I hated positive psychology. I was more in the school of thought of, you know, how can we do this from a scientific perspective and how can we, you know, use medication to help people, which is, which is not wrong either. Cause I do think that it helps a lot of people, but that's the only lens I was seeing it. So when I was studying it and when I was going through a lot of my issues, I had a real resistance towards coaching. I didn't even know coaching existed at the time. Mm. I only saw psychologists and psych- yeah. psychotherapists and nothing in between. And uh, there was there is a stigma around it because I think people don't value mental health as much as people value physical health. Like there's nothing wrong. If you're a soccer player, there's yeah. nothing wrong with you going to a soccer coach. Mm. But you're trying to live this fucking life. Why not have a coach? help you through it well that's the thing is like taking it back to what you said about the um how you struggled with the the positive viewpoint of it i think that rings true for a lot of people um from my experience it's uh to see people it's it's easy to be negative it's very hard to be positive also negativity does seem to get a quicker response and a quicker reaction than positivity does positivity is like a, a long-haul game whereas negativity seems to give you your short gains so it's easier for people to get and it's it's more comforting for people to get those short gains of be proven right that everything is wrong rather than hold off and see if things can work out right hmm. yeah it's true that's interesting though what um... I notice that too. People are very, there's a negativity bias that happens. Like mm. even people want to latch on to the negative things. Like for example, uh, YouTube titles. So in the world that I come from, I make YouTube yeah. videos. I'm also part of a channel that is, that has over a million subscribers and we are, we're very much on the positive side. Mm. We, we do things like we, we believe in people. We want people to achieve success and, and develop themselves as people and I feel like if we were to use a little bit on the negative side, we would we would get more views and we would get more subscribers. And even if you look at all the titles um, of YouTube videos, if it's on, it's on the negative side, like watching people fall or the stupidest things people have done, gets tons of views because people have a tendency of moving towards a negative side versus a positive side. And um, there is a, I don't know. There is a theory okay. to that, that I, I looked into it, that um, the uh-huh. reason why people are intently intently um negative is because we used to use it back in the day before anything came along like technology like as we like evolved we use negativity as a way to protect ourselves and um, we it was part of that's where uh, your anxiousness your nervousness you knew what your dangers were so you would use your negativity to go oh that's a danger stay away from it you became suspicious of things yeah. now 
we've evolved to the fact that we don't need to be wandering out the street and is a big animal going to come and get us or you know do we have to protect ourselves we don't know what to protect ourselves from so we protect ourselves from everything which innately means we are negative towards everything and suspect everything so to be able to get past that instinct negative thought we have to break down that you're you can't fear everything because that's essentially that what is negativity is you're fearing what is the unknown so if you give out that thing of it's straight out it's bad it's wrong it's negative you're essentially protecting yourself in case something bad happens rather than going what if it doesn't happen you know what something good could happen and then if people are proven wrong so many times over negativity they're given reasons to stay negative rather than going that was a just one segment of what happened then what happens in the next time and it's it's like it reinforces they once they've shown that that happens it like it reinforces a reason to be negative a reason to fear what's going on rather than going that's one thing what about the next so there is a theory that it comes back from from years of of fearing what could attack us to not fear it not knowing what could attack us to a fear to fear everything yeah and uh it's it's interesting because um it's the fear it's like our nervous system is telling us that we're gonna die if we do this particular thing and really in real life situation it's like going up on a stage and talking in front of people mm. like that is like associated with dying because it's having the same response or you know asking someone out on a date or I mean, even the phrase, oh, in the, even the go phrase, ahead. I'm dying of embarrassment. Yeah. Th- there you go. Exactly. Like, you're not dying. Like, you're not going to die. And also, you know, I, I don't know why dying and dead and death is uh, is coming up a lot in, in conversations. I think it came up last night, too, when mm. we're doing our school of life as well. I think, um, but it's also interesting when I look at things like, I'm going to, we're all going to die anyway. Yeah. At some point. Like that is a hundred percent guaranteed. Like everything is left to the unknown, but the only thing that is known fully as of now until we figure out different technologies, but until now we're guaranteed to die. Yeah. At some point. So knowing that kind of, it actually really just helps me do different things and take, take different chances and take different risks because knowing it's all going to end at one point. You know, what's the point of worrying about it all the time? Like, people are always associated, like, if I, what if I change my jobs? You know, who cares? You're going to figure it out. Yeah. Everything is figure outable. That's, that's what I believe in. So you said at one point um, you were feeling like when you feel, when you was going through that, what you now class as depression, um, uh-huh. you felt like you wanted to be hit by a bus. Now, I know lots of people... That doesn't sound like it's so much dying because hit by a bus is very much a... You could just be hospitalised, to be fair. And I know I've felt like that myself. I don't want to die. I just want a bit of peace for a bit and a bit of a break to figure stuff out. So, like, hit by a bus, you're knocked out for a bit. Um, Did you feel that same experience? I think it's a combination. So here's a new realisation. I'm always realising different things about me. Um... So the first realization was I wanted to get hit by a bus because I want to change in my life. I yeah. just because I was so scared to change myself. I'm like, oh, I don't want to get another job because otherwise I'm going to die. You know, all of these different things. I just wanted someone to force a change on me. 
Yeah. Because I couldn't give myself the permission to do so because I was scared of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, who I was, who I was back then in comparison to who I am now are completely different. Now I take a shit ton of chances. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to leave everything to the unknown. Ah, fuck it. You know, but back then I was very much afraid. So I wanted someone to give me the permission. Yeah. So that's one. That was a, that was an old, that's an old story, mm. an old realization. The new realization that I had was I'm a fucking drama queen and I want to be seen. That's what it is. Because like I was living, living this life. I'm like, okay, everything is just good. Everything mm. is good. I have a corporate job. I, you know, I work in an office nine to five. I got my vacation. I got all of that. Um, I have a fiance. I was dancing recreationally. I'm like, I'm fucking bored. I mm. want to be seen. I'm a drama queen. I want to be seen. So yeah. if something, I'm like, what a, what a spectacular way to be seen if I just get hit by a bus. So right? a lot of attention. So that's a new realization that just came up a couple of months ago. Okay. You know, I, and, and the reality is like, I do want to be seen. And it's a, I want to be seen in in all of me, yeah. in, in everything that I have to offer. I and I, I couldn't speak up because I was so afraid. Like, if someone saw my true self, people are not going to like it, or people who I love are going to leave me, all of that. So I was trying to get attention in different ways, which was not very healthy. I think, to be fair, in, in, in our ways, I think everyone wants to be seen to a certain degree. Even okay. if it's not a public viewpoint, but definitely seen by the people that love and care for them i think everybody wants to be seen and if you've got to the point where you feel invisible it really does affect you and if you feel invisible to the people that are around you in a day-to-day basis whether or not that be your family your work colleagues you know your partner it does and and people say you can't be invisible to your partner you can be very invisible to your partner and um i think it may, it does that's where it does affect your mental health and it does make you want to do something as dramatic as get hit by a bus because yeah. you want that you want that but you don't know how to get it so you know if something can come in and change it for you it makes it a whole lot easier for yourself so you see yeah. like your viewpoints changed obviously and um, mm-hmm. how was you feeling and what how did it affect your life as you was going from this bout of depression to the massive change and the the change of perspective that you've gone through now um since then you know what it's it's hard to pinpoint a particular moment because it wasn't it was just a series of different things that i did um and i and you know it's it's interesting because of a lot of the new realizations I've had about like, I just wanted to be seen by the people I loved and cared about. I wanted my family to see me. I struggled a lot when I was younger. Um, you know, I grew up very religious, so I was told to act a certain way and, and I'm not like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I like, I like breaking rules and I like doing things a little bit different. So holding on to like my past about being religious and not being able to show myself, um, and then I was like, I do want to be seen, but then I'm afraid to be seen because then they're going to see that they're going to see that I have a lot of dark parts to me. There's a lot of par- there's a lot of sides to me that are not very uh, accepted mm. in the society. And this is all in my head. Yeah. Obviously, it's not true at all. This is all in my head. So I'm like, okay, I I, I I want to be vulnerable, but I don't know how to be vulnerable. So what the hell do I do? So one thing that I would say made that shift for me was watching Brene Brown's TED talk called, um, actually it was a TEDx talk at the time, yeah. called The Power of Vulnerability. 
I've seen that one. That came out. Yeah, it's amazing. And as she was talking, I'm like, holy shit, that's me. Yeah. That's me. This is me. And then that's when I started developing myself. I, I consumed all her books. I did her courses. Any content that she had on YouTube, but she doesn't have her own YouTube channel, but that's a different story. Uh, I wish she did because she's amazing. Uh, and then that's when I started being more vulnerable. Um, but it's not only consuming the knowledge, I start testing it. Yeah. So I was a dance teacher at the time and I was working in the corporate world. I started um, sharing stories, vulnerable stories about mm. me and my life and the struggles I was going through. And just to kind of get comfortable with sharing that side to me. And it felt good to release a lot of those stories that I was holding on. Mm. Uh, and um, this is when you know, this is when people want to hear the success stories. Like, and everybody accepted me yeah. and everything was amazing. No, no, I wasn't. I got the worst feedback from the students. And one guy wrote this gigantic message about like, it's like, it's literally 20 minutes of, of Lily just talking about her life and her feelings and nobody gives a shit. Wow. Like, yeah. And I, when I saw that, I was just like fucking bawling. I'm like, of course, see, I show my heart and this is what happens. He cannot accept me. I was like, maybe I should just shut off and not do anything. But I, luckily I didn't. I said, okay, the, the answer to that is not to stop. The answer to that is yes, maybe I'm babbling on for 20 minutes too long. Maybe yeah. I need to cut it a little bit shorter and make it more relevant to the people. Yeah. Because the whole idea behind vulnerability and empathy is that you're trying to build connection. So if I just if I just stood there and emptied out my past and aired out my dirty laundry, people might not resonate with that. It's just like it's just venting, yeah, and flood like Brittany Brown calls it floodlighting. So mm. you're just like shining this like like and then this happened and that happened and my life sucks and then people are like ah I don't want to see all that shit like no 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 thank you and then that's when people retreat. So there's a there's a way of being vulnerable and having empathy that really works to build connection as opposed to disconnection. So I had to learn that. It's like so learning then, it's learning what to share and when to share it. Exactly. And how you share it. Exactly. Like how does it relate to the person you're speaking to? Because generally with, with most things is when you're telling a story, people take it in and go, how do this relate to me? And you've got to make it relate to them. Otherwise they're just going to think, well, she's just sharing too much information. And I don't want to hear that. And that's exactly what happened to me. And then for the people who are listening, who are maybe struggling with this, or like, I want to share my feelings, I want to be more vulnerable, um, but I don't know how, and you are going to have a similar experience to me, people are going to start leaving you, people are not going to be, not want to be around you, like, understand the answer is not, not to be vulnerable, the answer is just you adjust, and you just have to start sharing, and yes, maybe in the beginning you'll overshare, and that's okay. It's okay. Well, if you've been holding Good it work. in for so long, when it's like, you know, you're fizzing up a bottle, when you open the lid, it's going to go everywhere, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You're going to have feelings everywhere. <laughs> no, exactly. And that's the point. You know, I don't want people to think, well, you know, maybe I should uh, tailor my story this way and then that way. And then people understand. Don't even worry about it in the beginning. Find a safe person um, that you trust and just, just share. No, sharing whatever you're going I, through. I also find that if you do do the whole Coke bottle fizzed up lesson, you'll yeah. find that generally who are the ones that want to listen, who don't? The ones that matter. Personally for myself, when I realised like all these things came out, a lot of people waded away. It's like a yeah. it's like it's it's like a, a cult 
that does it on its own, that you'll just find that the people that truly care will come closer, the people that don't will move further away. And that, it might seem like a bad thing because, oh my God, all these people have just disappeared on me. But those, it could be just one person. But that one person matters to you more than those 20 that was around you. And that one person is the one person that you need. So if all these people do disappear, this is a bit of advice, is, well, a bit of guidance on this one, is if uh, people do go, let them. Because you only want the people who generally want to stay around that feel your pain, that feel your happiness, and you feel theirs. And when you be vulnerable with people, that's when you'll see whether or not they do share that connection with you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true. And it's it's scary. It's hard in the beginning when you're losing all of these friends that you saw like, oh my God, I've known you since I was three years old. Why would you leave me? And, it, and then your old stories start coming back. You're like, I knew it. I knew it. If I were to show myself fully, people are going to leave me. Maybe I need to stop. And but like you were saying, maybe there's one person that all, will stick I'm also, around. I'm also going to say it might not just be friends. It also might be family too. Like yeah. it, that mm-hmm. one is a hard one for people. That family as well can go. And I know the same blood is thicker than water. And I mm-hmm. speak from my own personal experiences about um, hard family backgrounds. But sometimes you just have to let them go. If they love you, they will come back and accept. If they don't, wish them well and send them on their way. You've got to be happy and content with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? We're saying one person. Maybe there's not one person. Maybe there's zero people mm. that will stick around. And um, and I think at this time, it's important to find people who are like-hearted and like-minded as you. Like there's tons of um, groups out there you can connect with. You know, you could connect with people online. You could go to different, um, because it's hard. It's hard to go through this. I see it all the time with my clients as well. Mm. And, um, and they're growing, they're changing. They, they want to share themselves and then people in their lives start leaving. And it could be so hard to continue on to do it alone. So my suggestion is always like find people, find people who are like you, find people who will support you. Um, even if it's just for like a weekly coffee or something, just, just kind of keep that, keep in mind that there are people out there who will accept you for you and love you for you. And it's important to find those people. It's like, um, Gary Vaynerchuk says, look for the happiest person or the most positive person, you know, and go speak to them. They're sure to have one thing, good thing to say. They're a positive person. They're probably going to have at least one good thing to say. And that might, might be a good insight. You might not carry on talking to them, might not stay friends or get close to them. But that one perspective that they gave you could go on to lead on to something else. I know that's happened to me several times. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, as I say, like, go look. If, that one happy person, not like delusional happy that's running around you know everything's sunshine and rainbows and roses but that that positive person that's that's giving you constructive criticism but in a such a positive way go to them because i can guarantee they have something if if they do say 20 things i bet one of them will be something that you need to know yeah and i i, I can as i say i do it myself and i, I can't recommend it enough i mean you know, it's one of those things where you 
you've got to look for something. It's like what you say, you can look for something. If you give your mind something to look for, it's going to look for it. So, and when it comes to a positive, I say constructive criticism, but in a positive way, you get both. You get the that that happy thought as well as actually how we're gonna make this an actual happy thought into your life. So you get yeah. both. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's it's important. It's important to surround yourself with people like that. And it doesn't even have to be um, physically. I would prefer physically in person. I think there's a lot of things are lost from like being on video or online and yeah. on books. I think it's there's something about just being next to someone, you know, hugging someone and being able to look and look look at them into their eyes is very important. So try that first. I mean, this is coming from someone who does a lot of online stuff. I do <laughs> really value the one-on-one physical connection but if that's not a possibility there then you have online you have books you have all sorts of things but like allow yourself to really be taught by those things because there's one one there's a there's a way of looking at it from a consumer perspective or entertainment perspective mm. like oh this is really entertaining this is great um but it's also like allowing everything to teach you and really being absorbed by the people that you see online my my, uh, my tip on that one would be if you've just watched something Think back at one thing that resonated with you. And if you if it didn't nothing resonated with you, you watched it from a purely entertainment perspective. Yeah. And if one thing resonated from you that from it to you, then you took it from a, a learning point of view and you took something from that. I think that's where you can know the difference between whether or not you're just being entertained or whether or not you're actually learning from the process. Yeah. It's true. And like, I'll take it a, one step further. So whatever that resonated with you, um, try to put it into practice somehow, like right away, right away, try to put it into practice because I'm seeing a lot of, um, spiritual entertainment happening too. Like, so going back to what you're saying, because it's so accepted, mm. like it's not accepted for you to spend seven hours on YouTube watching, sorry, Lynn cat videos because <laughs> you have a cat behind you cat videos or people falling down or pranks is not very socially accepted but socially accepted to to binge watch seven hours of personal development content and mm. not do anything about it the, the idea is like do something about it because it's it, like motivational content like i have this weird thing with it is it makes you feel good enough just not to do something about it <laughs> Right? You're like, I yeah. feel so good. I am powerful. I am limitless potential. I could do whatever I want. Not only that, but if you and tell somebody... I'm just some... going to sit on the couch for a bit. Not only that, but if you tell somebody, oh, yeah, I've just watched, oh, I don't know, four hours of uh, Evan Carmichael's stuff and there's so much that I took in. And they're like, oh, well done. Nobody ever asks you, did you do anything about it? They're just like, well done for actually doing it. That's really good that you're taking the like motivational like to watch this stuff. Nobody actually asks you, did you do anything about it? You, they just give you that well done for watching it. It's like, well, you wouldn't say well done for sitting and watching like six episodes of like EastEnders or something like that. It's like, or, or, or a soap or whatever. It's like, you don't get a well done for that. No, but if you tell somebody you watched like Tony Robbins for like four hours, they'll be like, no, oh, well done. That's really like that. I bet that inspired you, blah, blah, blah. And you go, yeah. And that's the end of it. Nobody will turn around and go, did you actually use any of what you took in? Right? Yeah. Because it's acceptable. Mm. It's acceptable. 
it's um, spiritual entertainment is absolutely acceptable. And uh, that's why it's so important for me uh, with my coaching sessions as well is to build in something that's very action oriented. I end every coaching session with a 24 hour mission because I actually want you to do something towards it and not just be a great, amazing conversation that that is good. You know, that's still really good to have someone to talk to. But again, it kind of goes into entertainment part of it. I also think with the uh, 24-hour mission, it's if people are looking for something, for an instant gratification to show that they're right on the right track, something to do within 24 hours is, especially if you are feeling at your low point, and, and with mental health, sometimes it, you just go by day, if not by hour, and if you've shown that you've done something within 24 hours, no matter how small it is, then you are, all right then, I've done something, well done me, what can I do tomorrow? And sometimes it just takes going, hitting refresh every 24 hours and going, what am I going to do today? What one thing am I going to do? And they all add up eventually. And I think that's the whole point with a 24-hour mission is, yeah, you can set something for a goal for a month. you got to wait the month for it to show progress. 24 hours, you're like, oh, well done, tick, done, I did that, or... Well, I got halfway there, but I'll try again tomorrow. Reset, we'll do it again. And it, yeah. it, especially with people with mental health issues, something that can be done within 24 hours is a lot less scarier than doing something that's going to take a month to show that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that you mentioned that uh, with people with mental health, it's um, it's like it's the next hour. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think that's how we, it's not even like folks in the mental health or folks in general, I think in general, I think it's important to look at the next hour, the next five minutes is like, what's the next, next thing I can do? What's the next thing? Like coming from like a good place, like not from like an addictive place. Um, I think it's very important because I, people have these grand goals, like massive goals. I get this with my coaching sessions and my clients is like, I have this gigantic goal in, in creating this multi-billion dollar company. That's amazing. Mm. Great. What can you do in the next hour to get towards it? Like, do you need to schedule an appointment? Do you need to read a book? Do you need to take a course? Do you need to schedule a course? Like, what do you need to do? And that's, that's, that's a wonderful approach to in life. I like because I, I do the next 24 hours. I even like the next hour better. Yeah. It's just like, okay, like in the next hour, what are we going to do towards it? I would also add to that, if make it something that is a little harder than would be normally, but something that's achievable. Because if you give yourself such a massive goal within an hour, you're going to go, ah, oh, I'm not going to do this. But something that, like you say, sending an email or just something small, asking a friend for a coffee, something small that is so, it can be very, very scary because even just asking somebody around for a coffee, knowing that this this is what you're going to talk about is still quite a big thing. But just asking them to come around for a coffee is not so much. Yes, what might come later, but within that hour, you're not having that conversation within that hour. Within that hour, you're just asking them around for a coffee. Yeah. I think yeah. it's best to work that way for especially if you're just trying to get through hour to hour. Yeah, I like that. I like that hour to hour even better. Yeah. It's like the next thing, you know, and like not be so focused. I mean, of course, it's good to have goals. I think that's important. But I think too many people are focused on the goal, like the 
big, the gigantic big goal. I want to make a million dollars or, or I don't know why I keep thinking about that, but a lot of people do. I want to make a million dollars. I, I want to, I want to have a business that would change the world. Great. Okay. But now what can you do in the next hour to, to make that happen? And like you said, it all adds up. It all does. Well, that's the thing is like when people look at how they can recover other mental health issues, they look at the big picture of, yes, one day I'll have more good days than, than bad or I just won't feel like crap anymore. But that's such a big goal. And it's all right saying, like, you got this big goal, but then then that leads to, well, tomorrow I'll do this and tomorrow I'll do that. And I'll, it When it's so big, it is far away and you think, oh, well, I'll, just, I'll get onto it at some point. Whereas if you're going, right, well, we'll break it down. To this and then we'll break it down to that once you've you don't shove your entire meal into your mouth at once you take bites then you so you can go finally get through you don't take on a sunday roast bend the plate in two and shovel it down your throat you take it in bites <laughs> oh my god i'm totally getting getting images of that happening just like <laughs> fold it up ah! Like, how much can I put in my mouth? But the thing is, you don't eat a meal in one bite unless your mouth is horrendously huge. But you don't eat a meal in one big bite. You have you definitely it. have not eaten with me before. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you take it in chunks. You take it in, in individual bites. You can't take on a full steak in one go. Again, I've not seen you eat, so... <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't eat like that. But, um, but hey, you it, never know. It's the same with anything. It takes small chunks to digest it. Mentally and physically, it takes small chunks to digest anything that is what you're doing or what you're going around you. And those small chunks may be just an hour. And if that's what it takes to get you through it, by all means. And if you need to celebrate after that hour, celebrate. Because you did it. And then move on to the next one. Like, pat on the back. Well done. Have a biscuit. It's great. Go for it. And then what kind of what kind of biscuits do you like, Lynn? Oh, bourbons, chocolate bourbons. Bourbons. Ah, yeah. We're gonna have to get you over here. Uh, Lily is in Canada, so she's, there's a little bit of difference between difference of foods. Uh, I know. <laughs> bourbons. Bourbons. What's a bourbon? Bourbons. They're they're like chocolate uh, sandwich biscuits. Oh. Okay. And uh, yes. It's, it's, it, they're just delicious when you're done coming to a cup of tea <laughs> and what is it fill, uh, what is it filled with chocolate cream cream okay sounds good I'm okay, gonna have to we, you're gonna have to I'll send you some other <laughs> send me some other I know okay yeah no, it's, a, it's a good point that you're making too and the celebration part I feel like a lot of people don't do enough of yeah it's like you have all of these I mean I'm guilty of that I don't celebrate a lot of things either it's, it's good to do a little celebration, like whatever it is, like maybe having a biscuit or, you know, just saying, yeah, well done. You could, like, you is, could. Is there something that you like to do dance, to celebrate? Dance around your living room in your pants, whatever it takes. In your pants. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I truly believe that people forget to be kind and celebratory to themselves. Like, 
You you do something here. Next task. Oh, do something. Next task. I mean, I am guilty for it. I have a whiteboard upstairs that has my list of things to do. But that's I like to plan and organize. But that little tick is my celebration. When I wipe something off my whiteboard, I'm just like, woohoo! I did that today, and it gives you like. Uh, people say sometimes instant gratification is a bad thing. It is if you are constantly searching out for instant gratification. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. as a way to celebrate yourself for just getting through the day, by all means, do that little thing that at the end of the day, if it's taking a bath, having a having a biscuit, um, at the end of the week, if it's a small glass of wine, something, it's like it, whatever, it, I say dancing around in your pants in the living room, whatever <laughs> it takes. I think people forget you're being kind to all of these people and you're thinking of all these people and it just takes away and chips at yourself. You've got to be kind to yourself. Like, yeah. treat yourself how you treat others. And I that think, is so hard for a lot of people. It's so difficult. It really is. Um, and uh, it, kind of, it kind of made me think about something is... Um, it, there's, a, there's a saying, it's like, treat others the way you want to be treated, right? I think it should be the reverse. I think that I think that, that phrase is broken, in a sense, because it's like you're putting other people before you. Of mm. course, you know, we are, human beings are wired for generosity, and we feel the best when we're giving back and contributing, and we need to take care of ourselves first. I think everything flows through us. Mm. I was just having a conversation with a friend yesterday, and then she was having a real hard time with uh, with someone. Mm-hmm. You know, someone didn't follow through, and then she's like, she's just so pissed off at her. And um, and the reality is, when I was talking to her, I was like, listen, the way you treat others is the way you treat yourself. You probably beat yourself up when you don't fucking follow through, and you probably do it like ten times worse. Yeah. And she said, she's like, yeah, I do. I'm a, I'm a terrible person when it comes to that. Right. I feel like a horrible human being. So that self love and that unconditional love needs to start first before we start giving it to anybody because people who are very angry, you know, I think, you know, maybe we have talked about this or I want to see your viewpoint on it. People are very angry at the world are usually very angry with themselves. Oh, I I completely agree. Celebrate yourself so you can celebrate others. Like, it always starts from us to other people. It ne- it's never the other way around. I, it never is. I completely agree. I always find that when it comes to anger, it's very projectional. Like, yeah. the, it's... I mean, people tend to project themselves and how they're feeling onto others, and when it, they see it in other stuff, it kind of raises something within them anyway. But anger is definitely one. How quick somebody tends to get angry at something it generally shows the scale of how angry they are at themselves and it's because they're so frustrated and angry they don't know where to put it so they just throw it out onto anything that is seeming and it's always something that seems unjust i find that that's an that's a really good where like people throw it onto i don't know politics or or somebody that who could have wronged them in such a way, but it's such a projection of anger that you kind of go, well, what's going on really? Because that doesn't validate the amount of anger you're putting out there. Like, say somebody steps on your toe and you go, rah! 
it's only just stepped on your toe. They it was an accident. There's no need like yeah, it hurt, but there's no need for that that whole like yeah. I'm gonna rip your head off kind of reaction. And then you kinda of gotta go, well, what's really going on? Because yeah. that didn't deserve that reaction. So yeah. why are you so angry? And I think yes. it gets very scary for people that though. The looking at why they're so angry at themselves. It's easier to throw it off and blame everybody else. But taking the responsibility for their own anger at themselves, it's like double fold. I'm angry, but I'm not just angry at somebody else. I'm angry at myself. How the fuck do I sort this out? And it's like making an omelette. You've got to crack open those perfectly formed eggs to create something tasty. Because they're all tidy inside that little egg. But as soon as you crack it open, there's a whole lot of mess that you've got to deal with to cook a good omelette. Yeah, yeah. I love that analogy. It's so good. Well, it's, 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 it's one, I can't even remember where I heard it from. It's a really good one. Because it's the, a good one. The egg itself is such a compact, tidy little thing. And when you yeah. crack it open, like most people are, be, oh, crap, look at the state of that. You drop an egg, Jesus Christ, it takes a lot to clean up. But right. And then when you cook, when you crack it open, you deal. When you make an omelet, you crack it open into a specific place. You mix it up in a specific place. It's a controlled release. You're not just smashing it on the floor and hoping somebody deals with it. You're like you're cracking it open into a controlled place. Yeah. So you're dealing with it in a different. You're not leaving it for a mess for somebody to clean up. You're controlling what goes on. You're cooking it and controlling how you manage this technically could be a mess. But you're going yeah. to, and by the end of it, once you've dealt with it and you've cooked it correctly and it's looking lovely, it creates a tasty meal. And it's like you yeah. can either go to the mess on the floor and then probably get angry that you created a mess on the floor yeah. or you can control it and make something tasty out of it. Yeah. And release it in a good way. Yeah, that's really good. I like, I love that analogy. And, and yeah, and that's where guidance comes in. I think yeah. that's important um, to, to maybe have a mentor. I know mentors, uh, like coaches are a little bit harder to come by because there is um, finances involved and maybe mm. not everybody has enough money to hire a coach. But having a mentor, a lot of mentors um, do it for free. They're yeah. from a volunteer basis. Like find some, like you were saying, find the happiest person you know and try to get close to them and see, like you know, maybe they can help you out with some of the issues, because um, it's hard to navigate through through growth, especially if you haven't done it for so long. You're like, how do I even start? And you make tons of mistakes, and you kind of need someone there just to acknowledge that you're doing hard work and you're you're putting in the effort, and acknowledge the fact that yeah, it's a mistake that's going to happen, but it's okay. You know, there yeah. is, there is more to it. So that's the, um, delicious omelet part is finding <laughs> someone to, to help you through it. Yeah. I would also advise not to go for somebody that is quick on judgment. You need somebody that is all very open because, um, so not a lot of people, uh, refuse to go to counseling because they feel there is, there are a lot of, um, judgment to it. They're judging. Um, I personally think with counselling, some of it goes the wrong way. They advise rather than guide. And I, I would love to see a change, and I'm hopefully one day going to be part of that change. Um, but I would say, that's another thing, is look for somebody to guide, not advise. You already know the answers within yourself. You just need somebody to listen to kind of unpack it. Like, 
you'd be surprised how often you'll know the answers once you just say them out loud and that person will sit there, nod, agree, disagree. I mean, they're not going to be like a nodding dog, but they will listen intently. They will pull stuff out. I'm going to say that doesn't sound right. And then generally you can work it out from there. But I think that's the thing is go to somebody, you know, will sit and listen to you because it, a mentor will be the uh, somebody who sits and listens, but it can, doesn't always, and but but sometimes with friends it's blind leading the blind, but sometimes you just need somebody to listen, actually listen. That's a struggle for a lot of people to find somebody who doesn't wait, just listen, just to give you a reaction or a response, but generally listen to what you have to say, and care about care about listening to you. That's important. That is that's a skill that uh, that many people would like to develop. Mm-hmm. It's like actually listening versus waiting for your chance or your turn to speak. Yeah, it's 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 so important. It's uh it's something that I want to get used to doing as well. Like because because I'm a coach, so my approach is a little bit different. So I'm listening, I'm listening, and listening, and listening, and I'm trying to also pick out like different things that I could mm. I could ask more questions about. And sometimes I do feel like I'm a little bit lo- like lost in a sense. Or I'm like, yeah. oh oh my god, okay, I'm so into this conversation right now. Like, what am I supposed? So it's like constant back and forth, mm. but it's a fine line because some people do that. Yeah, they listen just to wait their turn. Oh yeah speak and that's that's not the kind of person you want I, I, a little bit of uh, guidance on that one I would say relay back what that person said because when you've they've said something mm-hmm. if you were listening you can relay back and summarize what they said if you can't summarize what they said you weren't listening so if you and sometimes you just don't know you just sometimes I'm, I, I'm like what, what is that what did that what did you say exactly sometimes I don't understand it but be honest too. with that be honest yeah if you don't nod there and go yeah and then respond just go actually you know what I kind of phased off what did you say or That's so I can't good. remember just be frank about it like we all yeah. don't like we are all guilty of daydreaming about what we're having for dinner I, to be honest, we all think about, well, I've had, uh, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do. You. I just thought about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it before, but now I'm thinking about it. Well, that's the thing mm. is, we're all guilty of it, but just being honest and saying, look, I was yeah. listening to this part, this part, and this part, but you lost me at that part. What did you say again? And you know what? You instantly validate somebody. When you say to them, oh, all right, dude, sorry, I kind of like lost it for a second. I got this part, but not about this part. Explain it for me again. You validate their feelings like that because you've given them, oh, they're actually listening. Oh, they actually care. Or, all right, they phased off. That's a bit of a pain, but they cared enough to come back. Yeah. And and that's from, so from the listener and the listening, or listy, listening. That's a word and a half. Listener, <laughs> listening. Yeah, it doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> and, I don't uh, know. Yeah, I like it. Uh, you get to, to draw on both parts, but I, I truly believe that getting somebody to generally listen to what you have to say is one of those most important things because it's such a connection. And we need those connections. We're social creatures. We need that connection. That's a lot where mental health has its issues with is we need that connection. We need that understanding. And it's, as human beings, 
being that social, we there's nothing wrong with something that is completely natural within you and part of your DNA. Nothing wrong with that. We are social beings. Just be social. Be social. Connect with people. I know. I know. Connection is so important. And connection in relationships too. In oh God, romantic yeah. Romantic relationships, friendships, you know, family type situation. If there's no connection, it's like that. Going back to like way before what we were talking about, it's like you're not being seen. You you're like, of course you're being seen in your partners. No, if there's a lack of connection, that's when that's when things like go wrong in a yeah. lot of relationships. Like I've been through a divorce. I've been through a lot of breakups and it's the connection. Like you could be living with someone and have no idea and be completely invisible to them. You, so, you tend to talk at each other rather than to each other. Exactly. And that's, it's so important to have that connection. And I think it was Mel Robbins. I think it's Mel Robbins in one, in her um, kick-ass. She was talking about a couple that there was one couple, one one part was like they were looking for power. Yeah. And then the other couple was looking for connection. I remember that. That will never last because the power is always trying to dominate and the person's always looking for connection. And that kind of dynamic will never last. Like whereas like if both partners are looking for connection, that's that's the kind of dynamic that's gonna work. Yeah, it so was it's like it was it's important. Power and power, they're gonna explode. Power mm-hmm. and connection, one is gonna control, but connection mm-hmm from both parts you're both coming in from a very equal standpoint i want to hear you you want to hear me let's see if we can figure something out and yeah. that was that was actually I, I was listening to that yesterday i find that that part really interesting it was a very good point of view yeah i love that it resonated with me a lot because recently um i'm in a in a new new situation I don't I don't know what to call it really a new relationship with someone I really care about and I love and I think and I've only seen him now I've seen him more because I just spent so I spent an equal um a total of five days with him okay full five days though full five days like 24 hours each day and um and a lot of the you know I look at him as like it doesn't really make any logical sense how much I love you and I care about you Mm. And I've never really been in this situation before, but it makes no logical sense, but there's like a feeling there that we're so connected. And I think it's that it resonated with me when Mel said that is because I think the reason why we get along so well and that we love each other so much and there's so much unconditional love there because we're both coming in that with the idea that we want to connect. We yeah. want to connect with each other and connect with other people too, mm. you know? And you see the way I interact with you. You see the way I interact with other people. It's comes from a place of connection. Yeah. Like I want to connect. I want to be have a deep connection with people that I come across. And if I, I mean, I don't have deep connections with everybody. And if I don't, maybe it's just someone I'm not aligned with. Like yeah. it's not. It's nothing against them. It's just more to do with you know. Um, you're great, but I feel like you and I together, we're not going to take us take ourselves to the highest level. Yeah. So let's not even worry about it's that. It's also right knowing now. the difference between the two as well. Knowing it's okay to be all right like that and say, you know what, yeah. I, we're not we're not aligned. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Like and and but and so it's knowing the two between because we all know people that are like we're not aligned but we still cuz we like them in general, mm-hmm. we try and keep them around, but actually no, you should have let that person go. And that's fine as well. Yeah. 
I know we're cutting uh, cutting close to the mark because I do have to jump on Coach's Corner. Okay. But I do I do want to take that, that that part about you're saying, oh, you like them, but, you know, mm. it's like it's good to cut them loose in that sense. Is um, ambivalent really friendships are the hard, are the most taxing on people. Yeah. It's more like, I like them, I want to see them, but I don't want to. And it's very stressful. It's actually more stressful than being in toxic friendships. Oh, God, than yeah. Being in, yeah, it is. Because like, toxic, you know exactly where you stand with them. You're like, I don't like them, I don't want to see them. It's the ones that you're like, I like them, I want, but, I, but yeah. I always want to cancel on them. Like, it takes a lot of mental real estate to think about that. It causes a lot of stress. And there's, like, scientific research that was done to actually talk that talks about that too right well uh, now that we're coming to an end what would be your free tips for people uh with mental health issues um three yeah three two if needed or four it's up to you but generally about three i think the first one is um think about the next hour instead of worrying about instead of worrying about this big thing that this big mountain that you have to overcome think about what the next step is and in that within that hour yeah. what can you do within the next hour whatever that looks like and make it as as concrete and as tangible as possible like maybe like for example schedule that appointment um, read that book call the friend yeah write write a uh, write a page towards your book yeah, that's a major thing. I think that's something that is um, because we live in a world of like impact and legacy and all this kind of stuff that people forget the beauty in the next step. So that's that's one major thing. Uh, the second thing is um, surround yourself with positivity, however you can. Physically, if you're able to, that's amazing. If you have a friend or someone who's always positive and loving, loving, um, find a way to be around them at least once a week. Yeah. You will find the time. People are like, I don't have time. Yes, you do. You do have the time. And um, I don't know. The third thing, do I have a third thing? I don't think I have a third thing. I think my two are going to be um, listen and yeah. connect. It's they come part and parcel. We are social creatures and we, we do need to socialize, but we need to listen when we socialize. I think... Once you listen, you could really help somebody or you can help yourself. You, it works both ways and that's where social, social connections come from, helping them and helping yourself. If you're truly in that mix of listening and being there in a meaning, deep, deep conversation, it can help both sides. And that's where that connection of both coming in. And I think that that's my main takeaway from this is truly listen to the people not to listen to respond but listen to what they have to say even if you have to repeat back just to make sure and it will show you the connections and it will change your connections to the people they will become more deep and meaningful or they will wade away but you will see the people that matter yeah that's nice well uh it was lovely to have you on and uh thank you for being part of my podcast Ah, thank you so much, Lynn. This is amazing. Such good work that you're doing. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And this is just the beginning. So if any way that I can help out, let me know. All right. Well, uh, thank thank you. And uh, thank you for everybody to listen in today. And uh, good day, good brew. If you like this episode and want to listen to more, I have over 60 episodes of A Copper With. And they go from me talking on my own about subjects and stories of my life to others 
and some people I've spoken to have incredible, incredible stories and that's what it's all about, talking about people's stories over a cup of tea and having those open conversations. So like I say, if you like, share, subscribe, rate, that's all appreciated and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this.